Welcome to the Infrastructure Perspectives podcast. My name is John Rowe and I lead the Infrastructure Advisory Practice at Ankura. In this series, we explore the key themes of our 2023 Infrastructure Perspectives report in more detail and are joined by some of the key movers and influences in the sector. Well, welcome to the Infrastructure Perspectives podcast. Uh, delighted to be joined by Dom O'Donnell today, who's the Managing Director of Infrastructure Matters. Dom, welcome. And perhaps just tell us a little bit about your background and Infrastructure Matters. Yeah, sure. Great to be here. Thanks, John. So I set up Infrastructure Matters about six years ago, and we work on the early stages of major projects, generally focused on the political and stakeholder aspects of those projects to help them get approval through the generally through a, a planning approved DCO process. We've been going for around six years and work on some of the major UK infrastructure projects, such as Lower Thames Crossing, also work on the RIS3 pipeline programme as well. And before that, I worked in Parliament for a, an MP and a former minister, um, so I have, a, have an understanding of how the, how the system works, which is helpful for the big projects going through the system. So we've, we've heard a bit through our survey around some of the challenges that, that leaders are facing in getting their projects and programmes you know, off the ground, and in particular through the planning process. You know, what are your sort of perspectives on you know, on those sorts of those sorts of issues? Yeah, I think undoubtedly getting approvals for major projects is, is getting more and more difficult. There's a bit of a perfect storm in the UK at the moment with a long planning, long and expensive planning process, the rephasing of some of the government's major projects, and at the same time the talent and, and ability to deliver these projects is, is also at risk particularly with lots of investment happening in the Middle East and, and in the US with Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. So it's just becoming more and more difficult. And I think if you look at the DCO process, it's a really game of two halves. So the first part of the process from 2012 to, say, 2016 worked quite well. Infrastructure projects were getting approved on time. Completely different story from, from 2016 onwards, where decisions were taken much, much longer. And I think probably the, the record is a four or 500-day delay to a decision, um, and that's definitely becoming more of a trend. I think the environment that we're in with the war in Ukraine, the soaring inflation, and you know, quite sensitive and tricky political situation is, you know, is really having a big impact on getting projects approved and funded. Certainly something we're seeing across the board. So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult time for major projects at the moment. And it's interesting you, you, sort, of, you sort of draw that distinction between those sort of two halves, so to speak. Do you have a sort of sense from you know what you're seeing with, with various projects and programs about you know what's sort of driving that change in performance of this sort of approvals process? Yeah, I mean I think one of the things we're seeing is political involvement is much greater on the bigger controversial projects. I think the way the politics of the day is at the moment is that they MPs can have more influence than perhaps they've had in the past and they're getting their voices heard. So where there's a big impact, they're obviously making that known to decision makers in the Treasury which is obviously outside the DCO process, but politics is definitely becoming, you know, the, the influence of politicians is becoming greater. And, and that means there's a greater need to engage not only with politicians, but more broadly with key stakeholders. And that's something that we're finding, making sure the story of projects are understood, making sure you've got supporters and advocates out there who can trumpet the projects. And often with, with a lot of big controversial projects, the silent majority really need to be unlocked to help make sure there's a rounded and balanced view of a project. So, yeah, definitely political influence, particularly now, you know, with Rishi Sunak's administration. You know, I think it's probably fair to say we're in a sort of time of 
pretty significant political volatility. You know, we've seen three different administrations in in, in relatively short order, and a you know a sort of flurry of ministerial changes that have flowed from that. You know, what's your your view on you know how that has impacted you know, major projects? Has that been an issue, or or actually are they sort of largely resilient to those sorts of changes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I think you know our, our sort of view is it's incredibly unhelpful if you're sponsoring or or driving a major project through the system. Often the projects span election periods and have a have a lifetime that goes beyond a certain term. Obviously, having new players coming into the department while the civil service are obviously constant new ministers coming in with slightly different views on what their legacy might be to the previous minister, and then when you have quite a lot of chop and change, just creates the uncertainty. And then you layer up challenges around the economy and you have a, a funding challenge, you have a, a major project which you're trying to get through, which takes a long time to deliver. And so that all the, the changes don't help help the process in an ideal world. You know, you would have a set set of stakeholders that you would manage and, or engage and manage and work with over a long period of time. Inevitably, there is change. But when there's more and more change, that just makes it more difficult and the importance of having a story for your project and a narrative and communicating it, it widely becomes you know, even more the imperative. You know, two years ago when we, we first ran our, our infrastructure survey, you know, leaders were sort of grappling with, with COVID and, yeah. and how to deal with that. And, and you know, two, two, three years on from that now, we're, we sort of find ourselves mm-hmm. in a, a world of, you know, arguably even greater complexity. Mm-hmm. And it sort of appears to be the new norm. What advice are you giving your clients around how to sort of grapple with ever-increasing complexity and change. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. And I think through COVID, the industry did quite well, actually, to use new methods to engage, particularly digital, and managed to sort of reach out more and more. So that that was good to see. I think coming out of COVID, as you say, into this environment that we're in now, is moving from that, you know, into a sort of permacrisis-type mode. And so our advice is really to understand who's influencing projects, who the decision-makers are, who influences the decision makers and making sure that projects have a really good story and a good narrative and really important that the benefits are understood and that the impacts are recognised. You know, that's the right thing to do. Communities need to understand what the impacts are and how projects are mitigating them. But there's a really big piece around benefits that major projects can deliver, which often comes second. And so we're encouraging projects to get out there and, and have the conversations and to engage as, as widely as possible. And we've seen some really difficult decisions being made around major projects in the UK, you know, in the, in the sort of context of the, you know, the economic and inflation environment that the, the country sort of finds itself in. How are you seeing leaders respond to that challenge? And what are some of the risks that you see ahead? Yeah, I think, I think one of the challenges with uncertainty, people, you know, in these times want to have a, a secure job. If you have a project that is looking uncertain or unsecure, that doesn't encourage people to work on a project that they might find themselves it cancelled you know which is you know which has a big impact on teams we talk to some clients and they're struggling to recruit into key roles because a project might be seen as one that's next on the chopping board so i think it's really important for leaders to get out there and explain the projects that they're working on and leading and and look for fresh and new talent as well and also look in different areas so there's not a lot of cross-pollination across the the sector. So if you work in roads, you work in roads. If you work in rail, you work in rail. If you work in aviation, you work in aviation. But, you know, the skills are very similar. And I think leaders are trying to pull in those skills from different sectors. And I think that is happening. And I think obviously post-COVID with 
the digital work that's been done. I think leaders are building on that, but also making sure they're, they're getting out there face-to-face as well. A lot of the leaders we work with are, are very keen to be visible and be seen in the community, but also you know, championing their projects in, the, in, in a wider sense as well. Dom, the Department for Leveling Up and Communities recently announced you know, an action plan to look at reform to the planning process, you know, recognising some of the some of the challenges that we've been discussing on, on the polls. What are some of the key things that you would like to see that that action plan look at? Yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting question, John. I think with the National Infrastructure Commission, they're doing some really good work and some quite timely work around improving the system. So that's good to see, and it's obviously driven by government. I think for some of the big projects currently going through the system, I think it's probably a bit too late for them, but nonetheless, it's, it's good to see. I think the sort of headlines for me, which came out of the action plan, were sort of better, faster, fairer, greener, and more resilient. I think faster is obviously a big one. How do we get delays to the projects down? What different processes can we use, and how can we get some commitment around those? Green are obviously net zero agenda and projects are doing some great work on that, particularly taking carbon out of construction. And I think the last one around being more resilient, I think that talks to some of the work that we do around engaging stakeholders in a really meaningful way so that when you get to put your project forward for approval, you've got a really robust case that's been made not only on the technical level, but also on the benefits and what, what stakeholders want to see. And, and so you have a, a better case when you arrive for a decision. I think that's those pretty important ones. And Dom, you, you've worked in some some international jurisdictions as well. Are there are there things that you've seen in those other jurisdictions that the UK could learn from in terms of how it gets its project through a planning process? Yeah, I think so. So I've worked in Australia on the Sydney Metro and the Melbourne Metro and a number of urban road and rail projects over over there. And I think the challenges are, are actually quite similar. There's the funding constraints of getting through the planning process is difficult. But I think in terms of I was back there at Christmas and to see some of these projects getting built is great, but it, it has taken too long. So I think that the challenges are, are, are fairly common and I think that project leaders are, are grappling with those all the time. So I think it's a case of just looking yeah, as widely as possible to, to get some solutions for those. It'd be really interesting to see how America do with Biden's Inflation Reduction Act and how that investment also drives projects through the system. So there's obviously risks involved with that as well in terms of that's a very big, big piece of work, big program of work going on in America. And how does that impact the UK when the UK are slowing down infrastructure growth? So they're really interesting. And I suppose looking at the Middle East and India as well and, and how they're running their projects and trying to take the best from those is, is really key. I suppose we've spoken a lot about the issues. Just to sort of end on a bit of a positive note, yeah, what are the sort of areas that, that you feel most optimistic about? Yeah, I think... For me, there's a generation of transport projects which I hope will get built, particularly road projects, but it's really around energy and nuclear and how that next generation of projects gets delivered and how that how the skills that are needed to deliver those are, are available and, and come together. And some of the nuclear programs have program you know, a very long program of you know a couple of hundred years for nuclear storage, there's carbon capture and storage. And I think one of the sort of positive things out of the budget actually is pretty gloomy if you're into sort of major transport projects, but the energy projects that were um, are being promoted through the budget were definitely one of the more positive aspects of that. So looking forward to seeing how they grow and develop and how they're delivered. And there's, you know, there's a clearly a burning platform for those with energy security. So that always adds a, a really good dimension 
to projects and getting projects delivered, having that burning platform to, to deliver. Well, Dom, thank you very much for joining us today. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of the Ancora podcast, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Just search for Ancora. You can follow all our latest insights and find out how we're supporting clients to reduce risks and protect business value by visiting ancora.com.